Hey, I'm Heidi Harris, and I'm here with Joe Darrow, one of my favorite people in the entire world. And uh, I've known Joe pretty much my entire life. He played with my dad back in the day. And I wanted to talk to him about his amazing career and all the things he's done in Vegas. And we certainly won't get to all of it, but I wanted to get some good stories. How are you, Joe? I'm fine, Heidi. Thank you for having me on. I and appreciate how old, it. How old are you now? 85. Wow. And you still sing. It's amazing. It's incredible. You obviously play great. You still sing great. It's incredible. I know. My daughter said, Dad, how do you do that? I said, I haven't got a clue. I wish I could say, yeah, I do this and that. The only thing is I've never smoked. Oh. And I never drank, really, so. But you didn't have to smoke. Because back in the day in the showrooms, you smoked a pack. Just yeah, working yeah. the gig. I know. Everybody was around. You all the cocktail waitresses. Remember that? All the, the, the clouds of smoke the cloud, that yeah. would come up from the dinner shows? It was before the IBM cloud, yes. <laughs> Right, before that, there was the dinner show crowd. Yeah. So you grew up in upstate New York. Yeah, Albany, New York. I uh, grew up there, and then a uh, big family, with eight, eight kids. I was the youngest of eight, and uh, all Italians, four boys, four girls. And uh, started playing the piano when I was like 11. Played for, took lessons for like three years, then I quit. Guys, because why? I said, because I love sports. I was a good baseball player. Oh, really? And I said, okay. I want to be a professional baseball player with the New York Yankees. Right. He goes, yeah, right. So until I was about 18, and my friends would say, what do you like better, baseball or music? And it was always baseball. Then it started to be music, and I'm going, you know, okay. <laughs> All right, Joey, thank you. You guys are welcome to sit over here with us. I can edit this. You're welcome to sit <laughs> over here if you want to hear his stories. I'm lying. <laughs> Yeah, so so, uh, you, so you were 18 and you had to make a decision between music yeah, and baseball. Yeah, so I started, kind of? so I started singing a little bit and, so, and sitting in with some groups and the guys said, you know, it's too bad you don't play an instrument. You know, probably get some work. And I said, well, I, I took the piano when I was young. Well, why don't you? So I started. I went to the music stores and I started buying sheet music, of songs that I wanted to sing. So I would get these sheet music and I would look at these pieces of music and it was like. At the top, it would say, like, C minor, 7th, F minor. And I didn't know what those things, because right. I wasn't taught that. Right. I'm going, what does that mean? So I started asking players, what is it? Oh, yeah, they showed me. I go, oh, okay. So I would go home and then practice it in all the different keys. And, and that's pretty much how I did. I stole from everybody. Well, yeah, but you played. Every, you can play everything in every key, and that's how you did Just it. Just about, you yeah. I was very that. lucky that way. You know, I had a good ear, so thank God for that, but uh, got to work with so many tremendous people over the years, like yeah. you know, like your dad. Yeah, let's go back a second, because I want to, be between 18 and coming to Vegas, so when did you, so you started playing professionally, kind of 18, 19, 20s, that yeah. kind of area? Yeah, and I was working for the state in New York, so I would play weekends, with, we had a little group, uh, uh, with my friend Vince Catalano, we had a group of four pieces, and we played a little, uh, a little restaurant and bars and grills in Albany, and then, uh, got married and uh, we had twin boys my wife and i and then uh, we weren't married very long and then uh, i came out here with three friends of mine from albany the russo brothers that i grew up with and what year was that <clears throat> 1957. okay so you we, came out here about the time my dad did my yeah. dad showed up in 58. That's yeah great. We, okay. so we had a gig at the frontier hotel okay so we played there at the frontier hotel and i was out here and i called called home one day to talk to my brother and he said, I need to get, you need to come back. I go, why? He said, you got your draft notice. I said, what? He said, yeah, you have to come all the way back here. And so I went all the way back to Albany. And this friend of mine, Ray Valerio, he had gotten his too. So we were trying to get into special services. So the guy said, you got to go down to West Point down there to, to get tested for special services. So we drive down to West Point. What year is this? Uh, 
57. Oh, okay, so the same year it got yes, to Vegas. Okay, we went got out. So we drive down to West Point, and we meet the lieutenant. And he said, oh, okay, I see you uh, You play the piano and you sing, huh? I go, yeah, play me something. Okay, what would you like? Anything. So I play a song. Okay, sing something. Okay, what would you like me to sing? Uh, sing a ballad. I said, okay, uh, how about You Are Too Beautiful? He goes, great, good song. Uh, Sergeant Schwartz will, play, will accompany you. You just sing. Oh, okay, I never had anybody accompany me. So this guy starts playing. I go, no, 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 no. It's really slow, very legato. So I said, please let me play. So I did a number. And then my buddy Ray was a big guy, good trumpet player. They give him a sheet of music. So Ray said, there he's reading it. So he gets through playing. And the lieutenant goes, this is wrong. And that was wrong. So Ray says, how would you like a punch right in the mouth? I went, the trumpet player said that? Oh, I said, my God, we're going to get court-martialed before we even get in. <laughs> so needless to say, we left. We drove back to Albany, and then my wife got pregnant, mm -hmm. and uh, they made me 3A. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we settled back in Albany and started. I went back, went back to work for the state of New York and started playing weekends again. And okay, then, so you had come to Vegas in 57, and then, you had, then you'd gone back home. To, to, yeah. Okay. So then I was back for a few years, and then my wife and I split up. <clears throat> and... While I was in Vegas in 57, we were at the Frontier Hotel. We worked opposite a group called the Frank Moore Four, who I had met in Albany years before. Oh, funny. And they had a guy named Bobby Sherwood who was fronting the band. Oh, right. And him. I remember him from TV. I used of to course, see him when I was sure. a kid. So I go back to Albany, and then one, one day uh, I'm looking in a paper, and it says the Thruway Motel, which was one of the nice venues in Albany. Bobby Sherwood and his group, went, oh, I'll have to go say hello, see if he remembers me. So I go up there, and he was there with his wife and a piano player and a bass player and drummer. So I said, hi, I don't know if you remember me from Lake Ta from Las Vegas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure, how are you doing? He said, as a matter of fact, he said, my this piano player and drummer are just filling in, so I'm, I need a piano player and a drummer to go with me. I said, well, I'll be your piano player. Right. Because I was divorced. And I said, I'll get you a drummer. So I got him a drummer, and so we went on the road, and I stayed with him for 12 years. Wow. And from 1960 to 1972. And there's my favorite bass player in the world, Christopher Gordon. Hey, Christopher, how he are is. you? We're, have, we're just hanging out here at the bar Thank doing Bobby. an interview. Feel free to sit down if you want to. Yeah, we're doing an interview. Feel free to sit down if you'd like to. So, yeah. okay, so you did 12 years with Bobby Sherwood. Wow. 1960 to 19, the beginning of 72. Okay. And then uh, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and that's where I met my friend Rod Henley. That I took, and I stayed in Atlanta for until the end of 78 for almost seven years. And then I got a call from uh, Merle Howard. Now, Merle Howard used to be the entertainment director at the Sahara Hotel for all of Del Webb. So he called me up. He said, hey, Joe, I got a job down at the Plaza Hotel. Uh, Paige Cavanaugh is playing there, but he's leaving. So I was wondering if you're interested in coming back to Las Vegas. I said, yeah, you know, because my kids were here. So I said, yeah. So I came back and I went to work at the Plaza, took Paige's place, stayed there for a while. And then uh, started getting some other things. Then I went, went to the start, worked the Stardust from 80 to the end of 83. Mm -hmm. Did a single there and started working with different groups around town for all, all these years. Now, you worked with my dad at the Riv. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you also work Relief Band or you just mainly did the Riv? Uh, relief. Yeah. yeah, Relief Band. Because that was the tough band. People who, oh. don't, people who don't, that was Lou Elias, right? People who don't know the Relief Band, this is an important part of Vegas history because the Relief Band 
every the, every showroom would be open six nights a week. The musicians would do six nights a week, two shows a night. Yeah. They had rehearsal and everything else. Yeah. You guys go in there, boom. You boom. had to learn all these different shows. Yeah. It was the toughest. You worked all the different town. hotels. Right. It one was, night here and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. You couldn't screw up. Ah. You had to, boom. I mean, that was a tough, that was tough. A great, that, those were the best job. musicians yeah. in town. Yeah, you made good money because you had a lot of doubles. and that was a, Those were the days. The first time I came here, one of the first times I came here when I was with Bobby Sherwood, we worked the Flamingo Hotel. And we worked opposite Harry James's band with Buddy Rich, mm-hmm. Billy Eckstein with nine pieces, Della Reese with seven pieces, yes. our group, and then another group. Five bands, five groups in one hotel. Can you imagine? I know. Because I, I tell people, when I first came here, every hotel had music 24 hours a day. Oh, and every hotel had, had strings. Every, every show had strings and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. And nowadays, you know, it's hard to find a rhythm section. I said... Uh, I told people once, I said, when I, we worked at the, Thunder, the old Thunderbird Hotel, we went to work at 3 o'clock in the morning. That was our first set. Worked wow. from 3 to 8. The, no. Mint, the Mint Hotel, I worked from 6 a.m. to noon. The, thund, the uh, Castaways, I worked from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. So wow. We were, we were, all right, thank you, honey. That's crazy. Now, said, when Louie and Keeley work, they work midnight to 6, yeah. right? So a lot of people would get off work and go see them, which is part of the reason they were so popular, right? Because people would go see them. Because a lot of times when you're working and other people are working, you're all working the same hours, you never see each other. I know. And when I, when I first saw Louie and Keeley, they they had a like a 3 a.m. buffet, which was free. You didn't even have to pay. Wow. And so my, our saxophone player, was just, Leo, he used to eat like the Russians were in Henderson or something. <laughs> You go back two or three times. But yeah, we were, Louis and Keeley, and be packed till six yeah. o'clock in the morning. I remember calling my mother up back east, and she said, What time is it? I said, It's 6 a.m., Ma. You know, it's 9 a.m. back yeah, in Albany. I'm going to bed, Ma. What are you doing up? <laughs> I said, I just got off work. Just got off work. Is you people still awake at that? I would oh. go, Mom, the place is packed. Right. Now, this is it. So, this is in the 70s back in the day when, I mean, this is really, these are the heydays of Las Vegas oh, yeah. and showrooms. Oh, yeah, it was just great. You got to see all the best entertainment in the world. And we're in the lounges. Don Rickles was in the lounge then with us right. when we worked the Sahara. And, uh, you know, Mary Kay Trio and all the four freshmen were in the lounge. And you, you saw all these great bands for free. You didn't even have to you buy a drink if you didn't want to, right. you know. And drinks in those days were like a buck fifty or two dollars. Right. You see all these wonderful people for free. You go, oh my God. People that you... Grow up watching them in the movies, or I listen to them on the radio, like Harry James. You know, I used to see him in the movies with Betty Grable. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. People don't realize that because that used to be obviously the free entertainment was part of what kept people happy. Yeah. And plus, when you have the entertainment playing in the lounges, that the whole casino can hear. That's all part of the atmosphere. Yes, exactly. Instead of pumped-in music now, like they have. Oh yeah, I know. When people call me now, like some friends of mine, maybe from back east or from Atlanta, say, "Hey, I'm coming out. To, you know, where there, where's there to go?" I go, "I don't know." Well, yeah. you live there. I go, yeah, you want to go hear some karaoke Ugh. or some rap or, or Cirque du Soleil? I said, you know. I took like, my dad to karaoke one time. The man was in pain. Yeah. He, he physically, he couldn't believe it, that it even existed. He was I know. stunned at how My daughter was. once, years ago, she says, well, I'm, going to, I'm going to go hear some karaoke. She went to the, with the uh, what's that, the old place across the street from from Bally's behind something oh, island. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Ellis Island. Ellis Island. Oh, yeah. She said, I went in there, Dad. She said, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I said, well, Gene, I don't know what you were expecting to hear, but, you know. Yeah, if you can't get Ebola off of that <laughs> mic, I don't know what you can <laughs> I know. It was like, jeez. That's boy. crazy. It's was... changed so much. It's crazy. I know. So back in the 70s, so you have, this is kind of when I was growing up, and you have every showroom 
well, as you mentioned, it was a full orchestra. Oh, yeah. The best, best people in the world ah. came to Las Vegas. Oh, Every know. hotel had all the best people. So talk about some of the acts you played with. I know you played with everybody. If you can remember 20 of them, I'd be surprised because who keeps yeah. track? Well, I worked mostly mostly in the lounges, so mm-hmm. I didn't work uh, opposite. But uh, Frank Sinatra Jr., uh, let's see, Stephen Eady, uh But see, that's the Sammy thing. Isn't, Davis. That, isn't that funny? When you talk about the lounges... Yeah. These are top drawer people yeah. who were in the lounges back then. Yeah. Nowadays, you get lounges and you go, oh, you know, a lounge yeah. band, right? And some of them are good and some of them aren't. But this is these are top drawer entertainers who were in the lounges then. And once, uh, 1963, we were in uh, Harris in Lake Tahoe, and we were in the lounge on the midnight, or 1, 1 to 6 a.m., and Sammy's in the showroom. So he would come out every night after his second show and sit in with us all night, Till six in the morning, we would do duets. Oh, so we would great. scat together. Then we would have breakfast, and we go play golf. Then we go to bed like at noon. That is so funny. And he was such such a wonderful man, down to earth, no egos, no you know, hey, I'm Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, none of that. My mom was telling me a story about having breakfast with Sammy Davis and some other guys. Yeah. Uh, that when she and her sisters were up there, the Edmonds sisters, they were yeah. up in Tahoe, and they they said they were nothing but nice, complete gentlemen. Oh, you yes. talk about an underrated singer, Sammy Davis oh, Jr. I mean, Sammy. this guy. He could he do anything. He was unbelievable. Oh, I know. It was great. We had, you know, and he told me, I, I don't, this is a story. Because I was in my 20s, I was like 27, whatever it was. And he called, he, he says, I need to talk to you. And I said, yeah. He says, you sing so good that most people will never appreciate you. And I went, I think that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sam. And. Believe me, over the years, it's turned out to be pretty much, you know, and he, you get people that you'd say, you know, they talk about different singers. Well, you know, like they say, my favorite singer is Jack Jones. I love, uh, yeah, I love give Frank me Jack and every, jo- No, give me Jack Jones over Frank Sinatra, please. I know. You please. Know, I, I think Frank Sinatra's overrated. I'm sorry, I do. Compared to Jack Jones and other people no, of yeah. his era, uh, I agree with you. And I got to play for him once at Debbie Reynolds. Oh. When I, we used to do a tele- television show at Debbie Reynolds back in the year. Not early 90s, I uh, was on Thursday night, and the producer was a guy named Harry Siebold, and I had the trio. So I would say on Wednesday, I would call uh, Harry up, Harry, uh, you know, who's on tomorrow night? I don't have anybody. Uh, Harry, it, it's tomorrow night? Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. And I'd come to work the next night, and there'd be Joe Williams or Jack Jones or uh, wow. Marlena Shaw or the four freshmen, and I'm, I go, how the heck do you do this? Mm-hmm. And they sang for free, didn't even get paid. Wow. So one for, night for he had, exposure. Yeah. For the exposure. That's so one night say. we had Jack on, and Pete Bar Beauty was the MC. Uh-huh. So he said, Did Jack sing a song? So Jack says, What should I sing? So I go, Jack sing I am a singer, which is a song mm-hmm. which I love. He said, I don't remember the words. And I got the music right there in front of me. And he's so he's leaning over. He puts on his glasses, and he's got his glasses like this, and he's leaning over, looking at the lyrics, right. and trying to look at the camera right. at the same time. Oh, that's funny. And at the end of the song, he hits a high B, full voice, and about fell off the piano. Yeah. He's always been... I, he, I don't know why he didn't get more attention. I don't either, Sinatra honey. was sucking up all the air. Mel Torme is another one. Mm. Love Mel Torme. There's some know, amazing singers of that era. Sammy Davis told me that Mel was his favorite singer. I didn't know that. Right, he said, oh, yeah, singer. Mel's my favorite. But, I mean, Jack, to hit that note without warming up, 
And I, I went and I and I said to Pete Barbuti, he said, Joe, you gotta realize he's a trained singer. I said, I don't give a darn if he's a trained singer. You don't hit that note yeah. just out of the box. Come on. Yeah, just a, oh, amazing, geez. amazing, oh, and a nice guy too. I've got a, a chance sweetheart. to meet him. Beautiful yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember we uh, uh, Pete was doing a radio show from the Sahara before we did the TV show, and he and he had me on there and Jack and and Joe Williams. So they were getting ready to leave, and Pete had me on. He asked me to sing Sophisticated Lady. Which, by the way, I just heard tonight, and I love that song, and I think I do it in the same key you do, but not as well. But you just <laughs> killed it. You just killed it. I haven't done it in years. I love that song. But, but what I always get screwed up at the beginning. If you, get, oh, yeah. if you screw up the beginning, Forget about they say, lost. then you're lost. <laughs> they say, uh-oh, now I'm screwed up. No, they now, didn't say. now where do I go now? Oh, no, right? And Pete said... As you were singing that, Joe and Jack were started to leave, and they turned around and came back and just sat there and listened to you. Wow. And they came over to me later. Yeah, you didn't know this. They came over later and said, that kid can sing. Right. I went, coming from them? Are you kidding me? Right. From Whoa. those guys, that's a heck of a compliment. Oh, geez. Absolutely. And I got to be a very good friend of Joe. As a matter of fact, he was my neighbor. They right around the corner from me. Mm -hmm. I got to play for him. At Joe the, Williams? Yeah, uh -huh. at Debbie's. He was on one night, and, and uh, I... I said, what are you going to sing? So he said, uh, we'll do uh, blah, 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 and uh, we'll sing Them, Their Eyes. I went, okay. So he starts singing it, I fell in love with you first, and then he starts to scat. So I'm playing, and he does eight bars, and he looks over to me, like your turn. I didn't know he was going to do that. Right. So I started to scat, and I have the tape of me scatting with Joe. Wow. It's one of my treasures. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, because usually those good moments you don't get on tape. No, yeah, Nobody I know. had phones back then, so you're like, well, no, really, I swear it happened. Uh -huh, yeah, sure yeah, it yeah, really, I sure, yeah. If, if there are no pictures, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I know. That was that was so much day. fun. I, we did that for nine nine months. Got to do that. I got to meet and meet and play for... And Debbie was just a doll. She, she is. was I've so good her. to me. Such a lovely lady. And she was having some, right near the end, she was having some financial problems. Because mm -hmm. she and married so, the wrong people continuously, yeah, oh, right? Oh, yeah. She told, I heard stories. She paid off all of Eddie Fisher's debts yeah. and Harry Carl, who was supposed to be this multimillionaire right. shoe guy. Right. And she told me he hocked her jewelry because he was a gambler. Mm. And she paid off all, all, both of those debts, never filed bankruptcy. Yeah. And when I was working for her and the, they were having some financial problems. They, they, uh, the uh, entertainment director, was a guy named Joe Bianchi, called mm -hmm. me in the office. He said, Joe, I have to let you go. I can't afford to pay you anymore. Mm -hmm. I said, well, God, can't you at least give me two-week notice? He goes, not really. You'll be, this was a Tuesday. You'll be finished Friday. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So I went over and played. And then I went over and I called Debbie. And I said, I just want to thank you for... She said, what are you talking about? I said, I want to thank... She said, Joe, what are you talking about? I said, well, he told me that that Friday will be my last day. She says, no, 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 you stay. I like what you do, and you stay. I said, well, Debbie, I don't want to cause you any financial. Joe, don't worry about it. How much do you get a week? So I told her. So every Friday she had her security guard come out with an envelope with cash, wow. hand it to me every Friday for almost a year. How That's nice. class. How nice. She was I, funny, too. Because oh, she had a great time And she had a mouth on her. Oh, And I so know. it was funny. My husband, a couple of years ago, he worked at the Tropicana when they did, like, the Vegas Hall, Hall of Fame or something. And Debbie was <clears throat> inducted into it. And I said, yeah. He said, Debbie Reynolds was there. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, but, now, she didn't cuss when I interviewed her because I interviewed her on live yeah. on the radio, right? She yeah. knows how to behave. Yeah. She was just darling. Oh. But I said to my husband, I said, was she cussing? He goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was shocked. And I said, oh, no, she's famous for that mouth. I, I, God oh, bless yeah. her. God oh. bless Debbie Reynolds. Rest I in know. peace, you know. Lovely, lovely she lady. She went through a lot of stuff in her life. She was uh, quite a character. So talk oh, about yeah. some other people you worked with. Oh, uh, let's see. Some of the other people, the four freshmen who I loved and adored. As a matter of fact, uh, when my friend Rod Henley 
joined the four freshmen in the early 80s. They were working at the top of the dunes. So I went up there. That was a they nice did two, place. They did two shows, and then everybody left, and then the, the guy whose place Rod was taken would leave, and he would go rehearse. So I'm sitting there, and Bob Flanagan, the lead singer, you know, they get ready. He goes, hey, Joe. I said, yeah, Bob, what's up? He goes, uh, come on up here. I'm having, my, my throat is bothering me. Uh, how about coming up and singing lead? <laughs> what? I went up there, I sang Blue World and Day wow. by Day. And wow. I said, how was that, Bob? He goes, too much vibrato. I go, yeah, I got your vibrato. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, funny. Yeah, Those no, some... Top of the Dunes, that was a great oh, place that was, back yeah, in the I day. I used to see Bob Anderson up there. And I actually worked up there with a, a singer from Chicago for nine weeks. Bob Anderson, great, great singer, oh, yeah. too. Yes, yeah, a good friend, Bob. Yeah. He's uh, very class. I've gotten to play for him many times at the Italian American Clubs. When yeah. he was living here. That seems here. to be one of the best places now to go for the is yeah. American Club gets some of the best entertainment in town yeah. now. It's one of the only places left. That and uh, Tuscany, about the only two lounges, if you want to, that yeah. are left here for singers or if you want to hear, you know, what music from the great American song, what guy right. called it. You know, right, right, of course. Now, talk to me about the 80s when everybody went on strike. I know my yeah. dad walked the picket line. It was terrible. Yeah. It changed music forever, really, here in town to a large degree. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was really, really bad, and I know we walked picket lines, and uh, <laughs> I remember it was a saxophone player here, and his name was Jay Valmy, mm -hmm. and he's walking the line, and he, I'll never forget, he said to a friend of mine, do these hotels think that they can get along without us? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess they I did. I guess they can. You know what? It's in, And looking at what's happening now, it's amazing what these hotels are. They just continue to cut, cut, cut. You know, it's funny. If you watch the movie Casino, which I'm sure you've seen many times, yeah. the last two minutes of the casino, when De Niro does that that narration and he does yeah. the, you know, and he talks about Vegas and how they show all the people walking in and, you know, with fanny packs and tennis shoes walking into the Riviera. And if, if you watch that again, it's exactly what's happening now. Yeah. You know, now he's like, if you order room service, you'll get it by Thursday. Now some, you know, some 21-year-old kid wants your ID when you walk into a place. It's so different than it used to be. I know. I worked some of the, <clears throat> I used to work at Roots Chris up on uh, Flamingo. Yep. And uh, and we were in Texas, me and Joe Locatelli. And that Merv was Marcel on that, right? Yeah. yeah. Marcel had it. And we used to see people come in there. You know, sometimes a girl would be in a nice dress and her boyfriend would be in shorts with holes Whoa. in them. And, I'm going, my wife wouldn't even let me walk out the door if I was like that. If we're going to, you're not going to be taking me out dressed like that. Don't you have any, any in me, you know, I can't think of the word off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, any decent clothes. But that's the thing, because you and I, well, of course, you know, I, but growing up as a kid, we'd go to a show or something like that in high school prom or something. Yeah. We were all dressed up. Always. Everybody dressed up for the shows. I know. Every time my wife and I went out to dinner, we were always dressed like you know, if, if I didn't have a tie on, at least I had a jacket and a nice shirt. And she was in a dress or even, a, you know, a, a, a gown or something. We always dressed to everybody, all the hotel and every hotel you went into, everybody was dressed up. All right. Now, like you say, you, they're in there. I worked some, I used to work the Flamingo Wedding Chapel playing for the weddings. And I sit there and some of these girls... Maybe they had a gown on with all these tattoos. Oh, and please. Going, I don't. I don't, even, going, I don't oh, get it. Oh, come on. Man. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I know, I'm not, what, what, is the, what is the... 
I mean, what are you trying to prove? It's art. No, it's not art. Yeah, I'm not judging, but I don't understand. I don't get the tattoo thing. I'm glad yeah. my husband doesn't have any. I think they're hideous. By the way, you played my wedding. It'll be 18 years. Hard to believe, isn't it? God, yeah, I remember that, honey, yeah. yeah did, you, did you think it was going to last when you saw no, it? No, no. Oh, said, you're a liar, too. I just said this poor guy doesn't know what he's getting <laughs> that into. That is true. That I, would, <laughs> I will give you that one. No, I will lucky give you guy, one. lucky guy. No, my dad was really happy. My dad was thrilled that I married my husband. He yeah. really was. He, he loved my husband. I think my dad could relax and go, okay, my kid's going to be okay now. That's important. That's yeah. important for a father. Oh, sure. You know, I know I've, uh, this is my third. Mm -hmm. So my first two lasted like five years each. And now Joy and I are coming up on 32. Wow, so, that's great. That's, yeah, that's I know. When, I, when we got married, a friend of ours, I don't know, Jim Sherman, I don't know if you knew Jim. Mm -hmm. He was a saxophone player mm -hmm. and a school teacher, and he knew her ex-husband. And he said to her, you finally got the right one this oh, time. Oh, that's funny. I said, oh, thank you, Jim. That was very sweet. Wow, that's good. 32 <laughs> years, you know what? That's, that's yeah. important. That's important. So so you continue to play. You continue to sing. You sound fantastic. You're still in demand, which is amazing. And, yeah. you know, people say to you, why don't you retire? Why should you? I know. my Why brother's... should you when you sound like you do and play like you do? My brother said that to me several years ago. When are you going to retire? I go, Rich, retire from what? I play music. It's not like we have a big pension. And I said, I love when I do. And I said, plus, if I was retired, I do everything I want while I'm working that I would do if I were retired. I, I can play golf. My wife and I would go to lunch. We have all our days free. Yeah. So what's you, know, you play so when, now, you, when you want to, a couple nights a week, yeah, whatever. Yeah, still do making a few bucks, and yeah. you know, and I get to play with some good people still yet. There's some some young talent. I'm working uh, with a young kid named Michael Nugent. He's uh -huh. I think 26 years old. Uh -huh. Sings all the standards and knows oh, all the great. songs. Sings sounds a little bit like Buble. Has that same quality can, in his can, voice. Can we, can we talk nice about nice kitsch? Can we talk about Buble for a second? Okay. Sure. And I, I'm not. I don't want to rag on the guy. Okay, but I know. 20 people in this town, so do you, who sing as well as Buble. Yeah. You can walk into how many restaurants in this town and hear somebody who sounds like that. So when he got popular, I thought, my brother said, oh, I went to see Michael Buble. He's the greatest thing ever. My brother lives across the country. I said, I know a ton of people who sing like that. I mean, you can walk into restaurants all over town and see that, right? I mean, that's what yeah, I think. Really. I'm, not, I'm not putting him down, yeah. but I know people just as good who are yeah. in this town working basically for a spaghetti dinner. Yeah. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of times. But it's nice to know that the younger the younger kids are, are like Yeah, he's singing songbook. all the good tunes. And uh, I was surprised when I first met him. He gave me a song list. I went, you do all these tunes? He right. goes, yeah, man. I went, good for you. And he's as nice as can be. That's nice. Very respectful. And he said to me, I, he's... Because usually uh, I'll, I'll do the first two songs and I'll bring him up. Uh -huh. And he sits at the end of the bar and he's watching. And I said, mm -hmm. well, he's just, I'm just listening to you, man. Right. He said, I learned so much just watching you and how you phrase. And, right. and I said, well, gee, Michael, that's very nice, man. I really appreciate that. He yeah. goes, Joe, he, he said a couple of people said to me, who you got playing with you? And he said, Joe Darrow. He said, you got the best one in town, man. Right. And he said, I know that and I appreciate it every day. Right. I said, oh, absolutely. Michael, so nice, man. I mean, to hear somebody like that. Well, like, it's nice when, when the younger kids appreciate the people who know all, who've been there and done this for, yeah. for decades and, have, and you know, and, and actually can learn something. Because some people just act as if they don't need to learn anything from some older people. Oh, I know. Honey. Which yeah. is always really tough. So, oh, I know. It's It really is. And it's, you know, because some of these people, I, I don't want to name any names, but you, you think they... The greatest, they think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, I know. And I, I look I at them and I just shake my head and go, what? I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a town full. It's, t it's a town full of people. There are some people like that. There are some who are yeah. just genuinely great. And then there are people who nobody knows them outside of Barstow. Yeah. But they think they're the world's greatest. Oh, I know. <laughs>
You hear me? I sing karaoke every week. Oh, that, oh wow. There you go. Ah, there hey, you, go. you got hey. your karaoke tune and you sing it in the wrong key. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. I'm happy for you. So <laughs> I, I just love the fact that you've been do, continue to do this and uh, I love your stories. And oh, thank you. Honey. Give thank me your you craziest story that you can remember. Give, me the, give me the craziest story you can remember. Oh, okay. I know you got a few. Yeah, we're, uh, we're at the Sahara <laughs> Hotel. Okay. Working opposite Martha Ray. What year is this? Uh, 68. Okay. Yeah. We're working opposite Martha Ray. We just got through doing our set. Martha's supposed to come on. The place is packed. <clears throat> so there's an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, Martha Ray will not be appearing tonight. She's sick. But a very good friend, for, friend of hers was, will be filling in. Okay. And here she is. Miss Judy Garland. Are you kidding me? And she walks out and she is smashed. I mean, she wonder if she could walk. Now, my, my old boss, Bobby Sherwood, used to be married to one of her, there's three sisters, the Gum sisters. Right. Judy, Jimmy, and Sue. Bobby was married to Jimmy. Okay. So he's, he's known Judy since she was young. Yeah. So she walks out on the stage, hobbles out on the stage, <laughs> and walks over to Bobby, and Bobby said, what would you like to sing? She goes, when Johnny comes marching home. He goes, huh? Well, what key? Well, you ought to know. You used to be my brother-in-law. <laughs> she starts singing it, and it was like a dirge. And she, it's a song, the song is in minor key. It's like, when Johnny, she sings in major. When Johnny comes marching home again. And it was like, when Johnny comes marching and it was like it took like five minutes. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! And we didn't know. We're sitting there. We don't know what to do, man. The place is packed. That oh. is so funny. I remember one time I got I got a call to fill in for for backup singer. I never really did the backup singer thing, but I got called to do this because somebody else fell out for this guy who did an Elvis impression, and it was at the old Barbary Coast mm -hmm. on a stage in the middle of the casino. The guy got I don't know how to do the ooh. I mean I you know oh, yeah. I can, but it's not my thing. And so the guy got so drunk he fell off the stage oh. during the course of the act. And this is this is you know. Oh yeah. How many people have passed through this town who thought they were something and maybe and obviously they hit the bottle or got into the drugs? Oh, I'm yeah. sure you've seen a lot of people who've done that. Oh, I used to get. I remember getting calls years ago from guy. Uh, hi, uh, just Joe Darrow? I go yes. Hi, I'm so and so. I just moved here from L.A. and uh, I'm looking to, to put a group a group together and. Uh, you were recommended. I said, do you have any work? Oh, that's the least of my worries. Oh, really? Oh. Well, call me when you get the least of your worries solidified. It's <laughs> <laughs> the least of my worries? Yeah, yeah they right. want you to rehearse for free. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, speaking yeah. of rehearsing for free, you got any Wayne Newton stories for me? Yes, I have one great Wayne Newton story. And this happened, uh, let's see, I think in 1998, whenever Wayne got married last uh, I get a phone call from Greg Macaluso, who was Wayne's piano player, conductor. So we said, Joe, Wayne's getting married. His wife's name is Kathleen, and she's Irish. So he wants to know if I knew anybody that could sing, I'll take you home again, Kathleen. So I thought of you right away. I said, Greg, that song is about a funeral. He said, it is? I said, yeah. He said, can you change the word? So I did. I wrote a whole thing and read it for to coordinate with the wedding thing, you know, I wrote out this thing. So the day of the uh, wedding, the reception was at Spanish Trail. So <clears throat> I'm getting, sitting there, and the phone rings, and I go, hello, he goes, this Joe Darrow? I go, yeah. He said, this is a so-and-so from the Inquirer. 
I hear you're singing at Wayne Newton's wedding. I said, how would you know that? It's the National Enquirer? Yeah. I didn't know and didn't tell anybody. He said, I'll give you $10,000 if you sneak in a little small camera and take pictures of things. I said, I can't do that, man. I said, I know these. I said, I've known, I've known Wayne since he had blonde hair and used to work downtown. <laughs> so, so I get to do the wedding thing and I do my two songs. I do Kathleen and I do Danny Boy or whatever. So as I'm leaving, Wayne called me over to thank me. So I told him the story. He said, Joe, that's a lot of money. I said, yeah, man. I said, but come on, you know. I said, I've known you and, uh, and your bodyguard, B- Bear, big, big guy. I said, I didn't want to be found in the desert anywhere, you know. Right. So, <laughs> so he started laughing. He said, well, that was really nice of you. So that's, that's my Wayne Newton story. Wow, that's got to be tough to be famous and have people trying to do things like that. But I guess that's what they do. Oh, yeah. That's what, what they do. It was really, it was really funny because I remember once I'm waiting in line at the grocery store, and I never look at the Inquirer. So one day I just goofing around, so I was waiting with a long line, so the papers there, so I opened up, I look, and there's my picture with Debbie and Ripped Taylor. I said, when the heck did they take that picture? And then there's a little blurb about... Well, you bought the magazine, I hope. Yeah, I said, I, yeah, yeah. I said hey, here I am, I'm in the Enquirer, I made it. Oh, that's so funny. You never know, you never <laughs> no, know. No, I guess not. Make it. Yeah, any other crazy stories for me? Oh, I know you got a million, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I'm off the top of my head, I can't think. I've had, this is normally my nap time, I usually take yeah. a nap in the afternoon. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get, actually, I got to call my wife and see what she wants me to pick up for dinner. Oh, that's funny. You're well trained. Yes, uh, no, yes. it's it's you know what? It's just fun. I've known you forever. And, yes, and thank you're, you, sweetie. You're one you of the too. guys who who made this town uh, what it is. Music. Let's get a gig. Let's do. So, you know, we should do something here. That yeah, would be nice. You and I should. We could pack this place. Talk to Tom. Tom's the one that books this room. We mentioned Tom. Who? Tom Hall. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll have to hit him up. Yeah. It'd be fun. Wouldn't it be fun to do something in here? I have to get back into it, though, because I yeah, spent so much time talking we'll that I forget the words to things and things like that, and I'm just so out of that world anymore, but it's yeah, fun. Well, we'll just rehearse. And with you, you I can't run. screw up, because you'll play me out of a hole. If I sing. <laughs> and you have before. I sing myself, and you and, I, you and I have done a bunch of stuff together. How many? Four, five, six, seven gigs together. Yeah. Yeah, and all kinds. We've done charity things, and we've done oh, yeah. restaurants, and all kinds of things. Yeah. So, yeah, we should do another one. That'll be fun. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Well, great talking to you, Joe. Great talking to you, Heidi. Thank you so much, honey. Give uh, my best to your husband. I will. He's. Uh, he. I married up. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to touch that line. <laughs> okay.